Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of The James Wilson Show. As always, the slogan for this episode is Give Me Liberty, as this episode is focused on conservative analysis of the news. In today's episode of The James Wilson Show, we'll be taking a closer look at Joe Biden, the clear frontrunner over Bernie Sanders in the Democratic primaries. We will also talk about how some businesses, or at least this one, won't do business with some voters of a particular ideology. We'll also talk about playing the blame game for the coronavirus and how a pro-abortion argument went off the rails just last week. My name is James Wilson. This is The James Wilson Show. All right, so the big story of today is Joe Biden. He did really well last night for Super Tuesday Part 2, won some very big important states, making Bernie Sanders look... Bernie Sanders is honestly losing a ton of steam, and that is very clear through what we are seeing, you know, Super Tuesday, Super Tuesday Part 2, as we saw yesterday. Many people think this race is over, it's clear that Joe Biden is going to be the primary nominee. Now, this actually changes really interesting. Just a couple weeks ago, I was looking more and more like Bernie Sanders, and all of a sudden that kind of switched on us. And you can go ahead and listen to some of the episodes previous to this one, such as my last episode, but we actually talk about Bernie Sanders, his rise and his fall, as well as Elizabeth Warren. But what really helped Joe Biden was South Carolina. Many people were not enthusiastic about him. In fact, they still aren't, so we'll get to that in a second. But don't feel like he is very electable. He's a gaff machine. He, he, you know, it's really hard for him to string a sentence together to talk. We're going to play a video clip of that today. But many people are not, ex- you know, not very excited about Joe Biden and The thing about Trump and Bernie Sanders is that they are able to draw huge crowds to their rallies. Joe Biden, not very exciting. Many people are not, many voters are not very enthusiastic about him, which is going to hurt them in the primaries. And many people are concerned about his electability. He won South Carolina. People were confident he was going to win the Southern vote. That came into play in Super Tuesday. Joe Biden did really well, especially in the South, took a narrow lead over Bernie Sanders. And now that Super Tuesday Part 2 is over, it is very clear that Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. And Bernie Sanders just made an announcement today. He is going to stay in the race. He's going to continue in this fight. But unless a miracle happens, there's, at least for him and his supporters, (laughs) not saying anything about my opinions, because Bernie Sanders, if you want to listen more about my opinions on him, you can check out the Give Me Liberty short on Bernie Sanders, but many of his supporters are happy about that, but it would take a miracle for him to be able to beat Joe Biden at this point. So there's 1,991 delegates to the nomination, and Joe Biden is currently at 860 delegates, and Bernie Sanders is at 710. So that's a 150-delegate difference. Now, the Democrats were in a nightmare situation if Bernie Sanders was to be doing, were, were to be doing better. If they were to get to the end and the race was too close to go- call, that would go to an open convention, 
and a lot of people would be very upset about that because as you as you saw all all the democrats on the debate stage were attacking bernie sanders as he became the main front runner they even played this compilation video of different news outlets talking about how they didn't think bernie sanders was going to be able to defeat donald trump so you've got all that going open convention what happens with that is so there's no clear winner so it's between biden and sanders well actually let's not forget tulsi gabbard with her two delegates <laughs> and democrats know they they do not want bernie sanders because they are certain he'll lose against donald trump and proof of that just look at how the media is portraying bernie sanders the you know general perspective around him democrats are very scared if bernie sanders goes up against trump he is going to lose trump is running off a very strong economy and let's be honest with ourselves if bernie sanders became president of the united states the stock market would crash big time but if they were to elect joe biden there would be all of these rumors that the dnc the democratic national committee stole the nomination from bernie sanders a second time and that would get a lot of bernie sanders fans and supporters very upset at joe biden which would really hurt joe biden going in to the general election to try and defeat donald trump so that was kind of the nightmare situation it's looking to have calmed down joe biden a very clear 150 delegate lead that you know he'll very well most likely win the nomination go head to head with donald trump now we're actually going to talk a lot about on the podcast today what joe biden would uh, if joe biden were to go up against donald trump which again is looking more likely what that would end up looking like but first we have a video clip yes of just shows joe biden he he really can't he can't talk very much anymore now there's this you know i've talked about on the show before you know donald trump thinking that the kansas city chiefs were from kansas and they're actually from missouri or misspelling the coronavirus. Now that stuff, I don't think we should, you know, blame politicians for that. You know, Obama saying there was 57-something states. I, you know, occasional mistakes like that, it's, it's bound to happen. You know, I mean, you're a politician, you have to speak a lot. But Joe Biden, every day there's new gaffes. He is a gaff machine. He cannot stop making mistakes. And that's when you really start to be concerned about this this guy's electability and what his presidency would actually look like. So we've got a clip from the Trump war room. Obama warned Biden's aides to make sure Biden didn't embarrass himself. My name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal. You know the you know the thing. Uh, Biden's former Democrat. Obama's superstar. A hundred and fifty million people have been killed since 2007 when Bernie voted to exempt the gun manufacturers. It's my little sister, Valerie, and I'm Jill's husband. Oh, no, this is a, no, they switched on me. This is my wife. This is my sister. They switched on me. My other th- three granddaughters are down in Dubuque with my wife, Jill, and so in Des Moines. I, I'm, I'm in Dubuque. All right, Chuck. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, it's Chris, but anyway. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. Text Joe, two, three, excuse me, I got to get this right. 
So that was an ad by Trump War Room. I mean, let's just review some of these, some of the craziest things he said. So first one, my name's Joe Biden. I'm a Democratic candidate for the United States Senate. Again, if this was an occasional thing, which it's not, you know, fine. But Joe Biden does this on such a regular basis. You don't even know if he means it or if it's just, you know, another slip of the tongue. I mean... If you're running for the highest office of the United States, you should probably know that you're running for president, not the Senate. I mean, this race has been going for a long time at this point. I don't I don't really know how you mess this up. Again, if this was a one-time thing, you know, fine. But at this point, we're not even sure if Joe Biden even realizes these sort of mistakes and, you know, if he actually means it. So, anyway... Joe Biden, number one, is running for the United States Senate. Let's keep that in mind. Um, my favorite one has to be, you know, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the, you know, you know, the thing. <laughs> Ooh, that's really embarrassing. And then mixing up tomorrow, Super Tuesday, I mean, tomorrow, Super Thursday, I mean, Tuesday. <laughs> That's a pretty, you know, big thing. 150 million people have been killed since 2007. And you were vice president from... Just, just a question, just a question. And, you know, confusing people's names. This is another great one. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. <laughs> we're in 2020. Okay, okay. And, you know, just try and text Joe 23, excuse me, I have to get this right. That's another great one. One of my favorite clips from Joe Biden has happens to be watching the debate live when, you know, so they go down the line, go to amyklobuchar.com, go to peteforamerica.com, and you get to go to Joe Biden, and he says, go to Joe 30330 and he just stumbled all the way through it it looks so bad it was so funny i got so many good laughs about this but the point of this was just to show how incredibly bad joe biden is at trying to string sentences together and trying to make sense for that matter now again if this was a one time thing different story but it's not new new different gaffes every single day and it's starting to build up on him that is really going to be embarrassing if he goes against president donald trump okay so let's actually talk about if joe biden was to go against donald trump what that would actually look like so we've kind of eliminated the possibility of bernie sanders becoming the democratic nominee obviously new episode every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So if something changes, we'll keep you up to date on that. But right now it's looking incredibly likely that Joe Biden will become the Democratic nominee for the Democrats this time around in 2020. So what would that actually look like? Now, the first big thing to note is impeachment. Now, Donald Trump was impeached by the House, acquitted by the Senate. 
But what was this all around? This was around Joe Biden and a phone call that had to do with Joe Biden, Burisma, and Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden. So, Joe Biden and Donald Trump actually have a lot to do with impeachment. Now, if Bernie Sanders was the nominee, he could he could rip on Trump all he wanted about impeachment, all, everything related to that. But Joe Biden's kind of in a slippery spot because as impeachment continued, Trump's approval rating went up and Joe Biden's approval rating went down. Because, I mean, seriously, when you listen, you know, to the impeachment hearings, to what Joe Biden did, you know, trying to fire that prosecutor involved with Burisma and Hunter Biden, it sounds very corrupt. They, they talk about prid quo corrupt. Wow, I can't say any. I can't say anything today. Prid quo. Prid pro quo. <laughs> quid pro quo. Wow, I'm turning into a gaff machine. Kind of funny. I was just talking about Joe Biden. Anyway, Joe Biden, what he did was exactly what they're blaming Trump for in the first place. If you keep this investigation going, we're going to withhold military or funding to your country. Uh, so that will be interesting to see how it plays out. My guess is if it's Joe Biden, which again is looking very likely, impeachment will most likely not be re referenced very much by the candidates. Now it might come up as a question, very much likely actually, by you know some of the moderators, but the candidates will will most likely not attack each other on impeachment just because, uh, you know, Donald Trump was obviously acquitted, but it actually hurt Joe Biden a lot. So if anyone's going to talk about impeachment, it's Donald Trump, not Joe Biden. But it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out because they're both so heavily evolved in something that captured America's attention for, you know, the span of a couple months. So that's a key important key important thing to notice uh number one additionally you got a new poll out by HuffPost about joe biden's enthusiasm uh, you know you you hear from the clip bernie sanders has much more enthusiastic supporters than joe biden so HuffPost says sentiment about the candidates is divided sharply along generational lines 62 percent of democratic and democratic leaning voters aged 45 and older would be enthusiastic about Biden as the nominee, while just 28% under age 45 say the same. In contrast, 55% of those young voters, but just 29% of the older group, would be enthusiastic about a Sanders nomination. Similarly, 37% of those under 45, but just 9% of those 45 and older, would be upset if Biden won the nomination. If Sanders prevails, 34% of the older group would be upset compared to 18% of those in the younger demographic. About two-thirds of Democratic and Democratic-leaning voters say that they're at, they're at least satisfied with the current they're at least satisfied with the current field of candidates overall, with a quarter dissatisfied or worse. So, only 48% of Democratic voters are enthusiastic about Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee now that is terrible for joe biden you look at donald trump one of the main reasons he won the the republican nominee in 2016 was just because the excitement he brought to so many different people at the caucuses at the primaries that is not looking good for joe biden now of course just because he's not a very enthusiastic candidate and many people wouldn't be happy with the nomination of course they would still vote 
for Joe Biden. You know, obviously there's a lot more support for Joe Biden in the Democratic field than Donald Trump. But it's important to have enthusiasm such as at rallies. So Bernie Sanders does have the advantage over this. It kind of compared Sanders in this HuffPost uh, analysis that Bernie Sanders is a little more enthusiastic among especially younger voters, but older voters much more like Joe Biden than younger voters. So that's just a democratic, a demographic uh, switch with enthusiasm, with polling. So that will be interesting to see how it plays out with Joe Biden. One of the main reasons why Hillary Clinton lost in 2016 was because everyone thought she was going to beat Donald Trump. That was one of the main reasons. Of course, that was not that was not the only reason, but one of the main reasons why was because there was extremely low voter turnout rate among the Democrats. So you can automatically presume that that was because they thought Hillary Clinton was going to beat Donald Trump or they did not care enough or that they didn't like either candidate. But if you have really low enthusiasm rating among your supporters and your voters and the Democrats who you need unified support of to go against Donald Trump, it might look a lot like 2016 again for the Democrats and give Donald Trump another victory. So those are two things Trump has over Joe Biden at this point. Obviously, we already talked about Joe Biden's gaffes. Donald Trump will attack the heck out of Joe Biden with these gaffes. Some people are suggesting he not even go to the debates anymore. Just, he'll probably take the nomination from here. He'll make himself look bad at debates. Now, Donald Trump is a pretty vicious debater and will attack his other candidates. So if he went up against Joe Biden and Joe Biden was struggling, ooh, that would be a very rough night for Joe Biden. So all three things don't go in favor of Joe Biden. As of right now, however, in the national, uh, Joe Biden is doing a little bit better against Donald Trump right now, and that's according to Real Clear Politics, as cited on the Daily Wire. So while Joe Biden does have that advantage, again, having low voter turnout rate can dramatically change can dramatically change what happens in the election. Not to mention that we don't use a national popular vote, we actually use the electoral system. So that doesn't quite factor into the polling numbers as many Democrats would like to think. So that's enough about Joe Biden in this episode. As we get closer to the nomination, we'll focus more on Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden, but that will be it for now. Debates are coming up. We'll be sure to get into those. Bernie Sanders is making some promises about having a strong debate. You know, the next debate will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that all turns out. But next we go to the next big news story of the day slash week. And... Daily Wire reports, quote, Following another jammed-packed Trump rally involving around 10,000 of his supporters on Monday evening, a group of rally-goers decided to grab something to eat at Bojangles Restaurant about a 10-minute walk away, but the supporters found that restaurant stores locked with the explanation from several others locked outside that the employees would not serve Trump supporters. One of the people locked out took some photos of the moment and posted his account online. Bojangles, quote, Bojangles locked the doors to the Trump rally last night and denied service, Trump supporter Michael 
posted on Facebook, along with photos from the incident, including one of a Bojangles employee's inside holding his hands up. After noting that the fast food change apparent decision to keep them out was ironic because of the venue of the, for the rally, Michael directed a message to the chain. Quote, Bojangles, this is pretty distasteful, he wrote. I walk up to the door and people are gathered around and stated that they would not serve Trump supporters. And that's close quote for Daily Wire. Technically, this is a private business. So technically, it's not illegal to do this. Same reason why uh, different NFL sports teams can, you know, force you to stay for the anthem or they can fire you. It's a you know, private restaurant. They can choose. They can ask you to leave. You know, many restaurants say no shoot, no, sh no shoes, no shirt, no service. So, you know, there's obviously rules. Technically, it's a private business. But are you kidding me right now? This is absolutely destroying free speech. I mean, let's just think about this for a second. If I am a Trump supporter, if I am a conservative, if I'm a Republican, if I'm a libertarian, if I don't trust the government, if I want a smaller government, and I want to express my opinion, which was, which was the idea that founded our nation, the idea that we can express our opinions about politics, about sports, <laughs> obviously not the biggest issue back then, or to speak out against the government when we believe they are doing something wrong, that those were the ideas, those were the values, and those were the morals that founded American society in free speech. And to suggest that, that you know, private businesses now won't serve Trump supporters because of what they believe is absolutely and ridiculously absurd. It's destroying free speech from the inside out. If my favorite restaurant, Taco Bell, <laughs> no, if businesses decide they're only going to serve one type of ideology, I want you to think of what's going to happen in the future. There's going to be divided restaurants and businesses, and some are going to be for Republicans, and some are going to be for Democrats. If you want to go have pizza, you got to have pizza at this one Republican store or restaurant because the other one will not serve you, and vice versa. Hopefully it does not get to that point. But the fact that there's now this idea going around that I don't like what this person believes, I'm not going to serve them, I'm not going to help them, I mean, these Trump supporters are still going to pay them for the food. But to suggest that is destroying free speech. If I want to have this, if I want to go to this restaurant, I have to either say, you know, I don't support Trump or I have to not talk about it. Which is something that the free speech, that free speech allows. It's a whole point of the First Amendment. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. Again, you know, for the party of being tolerant. And have you ever heard that coming from, I mean, the phrase, you know, being the party of tolerance, you don't hear that coming from the right. But the Democrats are the only party that seem to be dividing, that seem to be suggesting that you can, you can not serve someone because of their political ideology. Now let's take a different example. Let's say someone was wearing a, a Bernie Sanders, a Bernie Sanders shirt, and they walked in 
to my pizza restaurant, for example, should I serve them? Now, I may strongly disagree with Bernie Sanders. I may think that Bernie Sanders, if elected president, will bankrupt my business, which he probably would, that it would destroy the economy and destroy the stock market, and I dislike almost everything Bernie Sanders has to say. Should I deny service to this, you know, customer? Because if I do, if I start this chain reaction where it now becomes okay for businesses to do that, we're going to have a very divided society. For Democrats talking about how Trump has divided them, that Trump is destroying America and it's so polarized, this is exactly what polarizes it more. The idea that you can deny someone service, that you can dislike someone because of what they believe in. Of course I have friends who are Democrats, and, you know, I really like them as a person. They're still my friend. It, we may have differences in opinions, and we may be, may be able to debate about that, but just because they have a different opinion doesn't mean that I, I can't like them, which is the whole idea that the left is trying to portray. Now, obviously, this isn't all um, left-wing businesses, but this is where it's going to start. This is where it's going to take the chain reaction that's going to create a more, more polarized society. And Trump isn't the one responsible for this. This is the businesses that are deciding that, you know, that they're not going to serve other types of people who may disagree with them. I mean, does that really include people in the conversation? Does that really open up ideas and political thoughts to better solutions? Of course not. When you say to someone, I don't want to serve you, I don't want to talk to you because of what you believe, are we really going to come up with the best solutions for today's society on either side? Because we need cooperation, which we will soon talk about with the coronavirus, on both sides to create meaningful solutions. That's the whole reason for the First Amendment, to have many people express their opinions, to challenge other people's ideas, to challenge the status quo, to do all of these different things that promote a better society and promote the, um, the challenging of ideas that may be accepted and may be wrong. A similar example, I actually talked about this on the show, uh, I think it's been a couple months now, of a, uh, a kid, a student, he wore a MAGA hat to school, and he was later beat up on a school bus. Now, I'm not suggesting that these business overs are going to beat up these Trump supporters, but what I am suggesting is this is really going to scare people out of sharing their opinions with others. If someone supports Bernie, I want them to be able to express why they support Bernie Sanders, why they support socialism. That That's beneficial for everyone. Now, of course I disagree with socialism so much. It would destroy everything great about America. But the beauty of free speech is that everyone's able to speak up. Everyone's able to speak up. There's not an opinion that is outlawed. Now... The, the Founding Fathers experienced this firsthand when their opinions were being shut down because they didn't like what the government was doing to them. And that's exactly what they're trying to prevent with this. Now, people, students being beat up for wearing a MAGA hat, being shut out of businesses because of what you believe. This is the start of what's going to happen. It's going to get worse. It's going to divide American Americans further apart from each other, create a more polarized society. How is that good for the United States? So anyway, when I when I read that article, I I'm very frustrated over that. 
I think that destroys the whole point of the First Amendment in the first place. Now, again, technically, it is a private business. It is a private business, so technically, it's not illegal to do this. But it's really destroying free speech from the inside out. Now, I know I, I keep trying to avoid talking about the coronavirus, trying to engage in some more political discussion, but as I've talked about before, the coronavirus has really become a political debate. And as we're about to see a political blame game from Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, everyone trying to blame Trump for something that is not his fault. Okay, so we're going to get into the coronavirus. So Trump is trying to take measures to prevent the coronavirus from getting worse in the United States. Top importance for him, the stock market is crashing really bad. <laughs> really scary to many Americans. Common items at the supermarket, at the grocery store, such as toilet paper, hand sanitizer, are being stockpiled by different by everyone, really. I mean, this is becoming a serious issue. And so one thing that Trump has done to help prevent this is to say, okay, you know, let's take taxes and let's, um, a payroll tax cut. So let's, let's, let's push taxes back. So you don't have to pay them in April. You have to pay them, you know, so sometime other, put money back in workers' wallets um, to support their families. It makes it a little easier on the businesses. Now, Obama did the exact same thing in 2011. And Nancy Pelosi said, quote, victory for all Americans and, quote, nearly $40 per paycheck in the pockets of the average family. And, quote, today is a victory for all Americans, for the security of our middle class, for the health of our seniors, and for economic growth and job creation. The American people spoke out clearly, and thanks to President Obama's leadership, 160 million Americans will continue to receive their payroll tax cut, nearly 40%, 40%, dollars per paycheck in their pockets of the average family. I salute the work of the Unified House Democratic Caucus on behalf of the American people. It's a pretty strong support for what Obama did, and as you will see, the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing that Trump just enacted, but with a very different response. So, Chuck Schumer said, The president seems to be focused more on the stock market than the pandemic. But unless you deal with the pandemic, the stock market's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. Deal with the pandemic first and foremost. And then Nancy Pelosi says, in light of the reports that the Trump administration is considering new tax cuts for major corporations impacted by the coronavirus, Leader Schumer and I released a statement calling all the administration to prioritize health and safety of American workers and their families over corporate interests. Now, directly comparing that, Nancy Pelosi, 2011, said that this would help the average family. This would help for the health of our seniors. This would help for job creation and economic growth. This would help the security of a middle class. And now she's literally denying what Trump's doing, saying that it, the Trump administration is prioritizing health and safety of American workers over the families and corporate interests. Polar opposites, and yet for the exact same thing. You want to know what the only difference between these two is? Two are? It's Obama versus Trump. Obama did it in 2011, 
and now Trump do it, is doing it now. That's the simple change. And I think that reveals a lot about Democrats and politics today. Now, is this going to become a big story? No, of course not, because, you know, the media is def definitely dominated by the left wing, as I've gotten into some political discussion about that before. But to just recognize that this is happening and that Democrats will simp simply go against President Donald Trump because Donald Trump's a Republican and they don't like him. If Barack Obama were to do the same thing, which he did, they would cheer for him, they would applaud for him, they would love it. So that just really shows us who's playing the blame game in politics today. Being s supportive of one person because they're a Democrat and not a Republican, it's a, it's a, it's a pro hypocrisy to say that Trump is putting health concerns first. They are the ones playing the blame game. If, if Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Sumer, all of them, wanted to prioritize health over, you know, corporate interests and, you know, the administration, what they should really be doing is stop fighting with each other and stop fighting against the other party and go after the coronavirus. Like, let's, let's get, the, this is serious. Let's get this out of the way. Let's make it so it's not an issue and that, so that we can, you know, we can bring the stock market back up to where it was at a record high. But of course, that's not their interest. Their interest is just in attacking Donald Trump and making it harder to get things done so it looks worse for him come 2020. They don't want the stock market to go higher. It looks it looks great for them when it's lower. And so they won't cooperate on the coronavirus at all. And this is exactly what we're seeing here. It's a blame game. It's not getting anything done. It's not helping anyone. It's just prolonging the effects of this. And it will likely make it worse as we can't get anything done when everyone's blaming each other for everything. <laughs> you can't come up with a solution if everyone's fighting. And sadly, Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, are working directly against President Donald Trump, which is making it much harder. So that's just a little update on the coronavirus. Just before we move into our last story of the podcast, news story of the podcast today which happens to be on abortion. So last week there was an abortion rally and actress Busy Phillips had to speak at this and she had some pretty disgusting things to say. I'll put it that way. So she says, there I was sitting in Oslo. And by the way, she's screaming this, like full out screaming this. You should watch the clip. There I was, sitting in Los Angeles in my beautiful office of my own late-night talk show, Phillips told the crowd, as first reported by um, Grabian, and this reported by the Daily Wire. Soon I would be driving my hybrid car to my beautiful, bleeping home to kiss my two beautiful and healthy children and my husband who had taken the year off to parent so I could focus on my career, the actress continued. Phillips paused before belting out, and I have all of this, all of this, because, because, because I was allowed bodily autonomy at 15. I will not be shamed into being quiet, the 40-year-old continued. We will not be shamed into being quiet, never again. Now, I want you to just think about this for a quick second. 
it's because I killed someone that I'm driving a hybrid car and I live in a great house. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> where has the where has the argument become for the Democrats? And now, obviously, not all Democrats are saying this. So I won't put them... I won't put it on the Democrats specifically. But why has the pro-choice movement moved so extreme recently? You look at this and just just think about it. How crazy extreme it went from in the 1973 case, Roe v. Wade. You know, the majority opinion said if you were able to prove, you know, that there was life that would totally crumble the the argument for abortion as protected by the 14th Amendment. And that was in 1973. And now the argument has become, I killed someone and now I have a hybrid car. So life is good and that's great. <laughs> I mean, applying the same argument, couldn't you make that argument after birth? You know, my kid, he's in fifth grade. But he costs a lot of money. He has to eat. I have to pay for him to go to the doctor. He gets sick a lot. I have to plan a place where someone can watch him after school. Does the argument not apply? I mean, I mean, it's obvious that kids cost a lot of money, but saying that you're able to kill a baby because kill them because it will give you a hybrid car and a nice home—that argument applies after birth too. There are a lot of expenses. You know, kids cost a lot of money that you know are already born. And I extremely hope she's not suggesting that anyone can kill anyone because they're an inconvenience in their life. I mean, this argument is incredibly ridiculous. And she's screaming this all, very mad, very upset. When all pro-lifers are trying to do, are, are trying to save the babies who are being killed every year. Now, later we'll... In some more episodes, we'll talk about what abortion actually does to a child, especially during the second trimester, how they're actually able to kill the baby. It's pretty gruesome and pretty nasty. And there you have someone on a pro-choice stage saying that it's because of their hybrid car and their beautiful home that it's amazing that they killed someone else and it saved them money in the future. So that's it for this episode of The James Wilson Show. Thanks for listening. My name is James Wilson, and I'll see you next time.